Hello, welcome to One Foot Down Podcast. I am Eric Murtaugh back as your host. This is our 34th episode. Football has begun. We've seen one week of fall practice. We have three more weeks until the first game against Rice. Here to talk with me about that first week is our Canadian writer, Lars. Lars, how are you doing? I'm doing outstanding. Dandy. Ooh, dandy. I like that word. Okay. Um, we're, first, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks. Not a whole lot of controversy so far during this camp. We kind of thought maybe we'd see more of a competition. It really hasn't worked out that way. Um, do you feel like Zaire should be playing better at this point? Um, I guess the practice reports are saying, you know, Golson is looking not considerably better, but a, a great deal better than, than Zaire, especially with accuracy and decision-making like that. Are we? Are you a little bit disappointed so far with what, you know, Zaire's done, or are you trying to be a little bit more patient with uh, with my league's progression and um, production, I guess, in practice. Yeah, I've I've been on a little bit of a roller coaster with uh, Zaire in terms of, you know, when I took a look at him at first in spring practice, you know, I had some concerns with his mechanics and I thought that was going to lead to some inconsistency and some inaccuracy. Um, then watched him in the blue and gold game and, and really didn't see those concerns manifest themselves. And... Um, so you know, then I started to go, hmm, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on this, and and I uh, thought there was going to be a little more competition. It looks like you know what we saw initially in the spring is kind of uh, is kind of coming to fruition. That uh, Zaire is just a little less accurate, um, a little less consistent than Golson, and and certainly that's to be expected. When I look at Zaire's mechanics, you can see some things, and just his experience level. Um, but by all accounts, one thing about Zaire is that, that he is a gamer. And so, you know, I, I mean, I guess this is a little bit of a, a Captain Obvious statement. But this next week, if he's going to make a push, this is his chance. Because they'll get into some, some live stuff or pretty close to live stuff. And they'll play some 11-on-11. 11 11, and this is going to be his opportunity to shine. So really, probably in the next two, three days, if he doesn't make a move, um, you know, that, that competition's over. And, and like you said, it likely is over anyways. But... I think we'll give it a couple more days. I'm not disappointed though in Zaire. I I would have been stunned if uh, if he beat out Golson, to be honest with you. And Coach Kelly basically echoed those same statements. Uh, we're taping this on Sunday. They had a two-a-day yesterday on Saturday, and he basically said, you know, the quarterback competition is going to wrap up here in the next week. Um, are you expecting Golson to kind of really take the next step and possibly named a, be named a captain with what you've seen so far and heard? From uh, what he's been doing this during this fall camp, um, no, I don't expect him to be named a captain, but but you never know. I mean, he's certainly, um, you know, he's going to be a leader, obviously, on the team just by virtue of the position that he plays. Uh, I'd be surprised if he's a captain, um, you know, and that's I think mostly just because I think one Brian Kelly will want to keep that additional pressure off of him. Because, um, you know, I mean, Golson, he's got a lot on his plate being the quarterback at Notre Dame, trying to come back after the suspension and all those sorts of things. So I, I think the staff will probably say, you know what, we don't need to give him that extra extra burden. So I, I wouldn't anticipate that Golson will be a captain. All right, it's been pretty uh, steady at quarterback through the first week of practice. The running back's kind of the same deal. McDaniel, Folston, Bryant basically splitting reps, I guess you could say, with the first team. Although it does seem like Folson is kind of the first guy out in practice um, with the starters, is there anything you've seen so far from practice? I know we don't really get a, a large glimpse of uh, these players, and 
Um, I know there's been a lot of talk about Bryant lately, and everyone he's kind of the fan favorite. Do you like where these running backs are uh, are, are headed into the the season here in the next few weeks? Yeah, I really do. I think uh, the running back um, situation could be, you know, it, it could be very, very good for Notre Dame. Um, you know, I'd be a little cautious on, and and you know me on the site, um, experience is a big factor for me, and, and when you have young players, even when they're talented, there's going to be some inconsistency there, especially with some of the nuances, like some of the blitz pickup and, and those sorts of things. So that concerns me a little bit. I think you heard Brian Kelly talk about uh, Greg Bryant being a little more patient in terms of setting up his blocking. And certainly in that zone blocking scheme, you really do have to be a patient runner. Um, you know, and in terms of Folston, it sounds like he needs a, a kick in the rear every now and then to just kind of get going and, and turn it on. And, and uh, Cam has been Cam, very consistent, very dependable. Um, isn't quite the athlete that the other players are, but... Uh, you know, I'd expect big things out of all of them. I really feel like that running back position is absolutely key to the offense. Uh, if we can get the kind of production that we think we can out of those running backs, um, you know, that'll be a scary offense to try and stop. Now let me jump ahead to the tight ends here for a moment because um, I kind of I want to talk about them in relation to the running backs. We know Ben Koyak is a senior, is likely going to have a strong season. He can block, he can pass catch. He's got some speed and size. Uh, Mike Hireman's out with an injury, probably going to miss two, three games at minimum. Durham Smythe is, you know, turning some heads. He's got good size, good pass catcher. I think we'll kind of wait to see how he is as a blocker. Um, I think the most people aren't expecting a whole lot of two tight end sets this season with some youngins at the tight end position. Uh, Nick Wisher, again, kind of in the same mold as maybe a young Tyler Eifert, a good pass catcher. Doesn't really look very developed physically, although um, you know, his listed weight on the UND.com site was a lot more than I thought it would be. But you can tell in his arms, especially, he's a very skinny-looking kid. I wanted to bring up Ty Tyler Luatua, who is really turning heads at the tight end position. And Coach Kelly spoke about this yesterday. And he's not shy to say that, basically, Luatua is going to play. He's almost 270 pounds. It looks like they're really going to use him extensively as an H-back. He even brought out the word fullback, uh, which is pretty surprising from Coach Kelly. Uh, so, you know, you talked about those running backs and how, you know, important you think they could be to the offense. You know, you think Lua Tua kind of adds a different dimension that could really help this offense out? Yeah, he does. And, you know, I don't know the last time we had a guy with his sort of build and, and physical traits. I remember watching his uh, his recruiting film and, Something stood out about him. I, you know, I just saw him with a few pancake blocks, and I just said, "Holy mm -hmm. smokes! This kid has got a, you know, he's got a real pop when he makes contact." And uh, boy, he's a big, big human being. And uh, I think it will make a difference potentially. And I, I think probably in two areas. The first one is in the short yardage game, which frankly we haven't been very good at in the Brian Kelly area. Area era, sorry, and I, I think having that lead blocker and kind of just saying, you know what, we're going to pound that ball in here and we're not going to get fancy. Um, I think a guy like, Le, how do you say his name, Latua? Hey, Luatua. Luatua? I believe that's how you say it. Yeah, that's right. I'll get that right. Um, having a guy like Luatua, I think will really help us in those situations. I also think he's a tremendous weapon in uh, goal line situations. Um 
because of as a lead blocker, but also as a guy who can, you know, fake like in a play action pass situation, fake like he's going to lead block and, and leak out and make a catch for you. So um, that's pretty exciting to, to see an H-back type. And, uh, and I hope we just run it downhill sometimes. And especially with uh, Greg Bryant, because he really doesn't need to be patient in those situations. Pound the ball. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm interested to see how much, you know, Lua Tua plays in sort of the quote-unquote base offense. You know, Koyak's going to be out there a lot, and if you're going to put Lua Tua out there, maybe he's not playing a traditional tight end role, but, you know, if you want a lead blocker, that's a that's a great way to start off games especially. I'm, I'm interested to see if they come out um, right out of the gate against Rice with that kind of an offense. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun to watch. Um you know, I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but, you know, as it relates to, I, you know, I wonder what we're going to see in terms of tempo out of the offense. We haven't heard a lot of talk about that. There's been a little bit, but I think that's something that Brian Kelly's holding in his, his back pocket, and I think he might be looking to go fast. Yeah, that's also another uh, interesting topic. I remember looking at a, a picture of Lua Tua from the Under Armour game, and I believe he's standing next to Alex Bars, and obviously Bars has a couple, two, three inches on him, and um, you know, a little bit longer in the arms and stuff like that. But Lua Tua was just, he looked like a lineman uh, with his upper body especially. And, you know, we've seen how the, these guys tread out there in the, in the fall with these little tiny shorts on. and uh, But his legs are just massively big, 270 pounds. Well, he's listed about 262, I think. But uh, Coach Kelly said he's almost 270. That's just an enormous individual for a true freshman. And what, like, yeah, almost, I mean, make, almost makes you wonder if he'll grow out of the tight end position or the h-back position yeah you wonder if he will um you know and it's a bit of a different build on him like over the last few years you know with diaco and kelly we've seen a lot of you know sort of long athletes and and we've seen that you know you look at a guy like mcglinchy and those sorts of things really long kind of lean athletes still big guys but uh lua tua is just a totally different beast from a body perspective he, i mean i don't know what he's listed as i think six two ish but uh he's just got kind of that thick build and uh, I wouldn't call him he doesn't look like a long athlete he looks like a you know thick athlete and it's nice to see actually those types of guys you like those those long athletic guys too but you like to see someone uh, with a little bit of thickness sand in his pants as they like to say <laughs> yeah I think squat is what I think of just yeah very he looks like he could squat a lot all right let's talk about the wide receivers the big player so far in fall practice that stepped up has been uh Chris Brown, C. Breezy, uh, as we call him on the site. Uh, Coach Kelly went so far as to say yesterday after practice that he's the number one receiver right now with DeVaris Daniels kind of nursing a couple injuries, uh, which is frustrating, I think, for a lot of fans to see Daniels still having some nagging problems. Uh, I think Daniels may have a little bit of a groin, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know he wasn't really taking part fully in practice on Monday, and then on Saturday, he started out practicing, and I don't believe he actually finished practice. So Chris Brown, that's a pretty good story. Uh, you know, Daniels, Brown, Robinson, that's a lot of size. And uh, especially with Brown and Daniels, that's a lot of speed for uh, for those two guys. Um, is he someone you think can really step up and be a number one type receiver, or are you kind of hoping and waiting to see what happens during the season? No, I, I think he can, and I'm excited about him. And uh, as I said on the site, I was – a little annoyed at myself for not putting him in uh, in my top 25, and and I should have. And um, certainly, I think he's a guy that has a lot of talent. I really like the way he played last year in the bowl game, and uh, 
I think his skill set is phenomenal and sounds like his uh, his leadership has been great. And, you know, I thought um, Kelly sent a bit of a message to Daniels. Uh, it was interesting when he said, because, you know, you'll get starters hurt, right? And mm-hmm. somebody else will go in, but it's, it's not like... Um, you know, when Ronnie Stanley went off first day of practice to have to get an ID and McGinchy stepped in, uh, as soon as Ronnie Stanley came back in, he was in with the number ones. Um, whereas uh, Brian Kelly said very clearly in the press conference that uh, he just couldn't put Daniels with the number ones because he hasn't been out enough and he, he hasn't earned that and they just can't do it. And I thought he was uh, he was sending a little bit of message there, which, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it can come together for Daniels. I'd love to see him healthy. Um, and I'd love to see how he can compete, but um, you know he's he's getting passed by right now, frankly. So we just learned yesterday that Tory Hunter, uh, he's out four to six weeks with a, a partial tear in his groin. Kind of a tough luck for him coming <clears throat> off of a broken femur when he was a true freshman. Um, so that's going to really bring the receiving core down to about seven guys. Uh, Daniels, Carlisle, Brown, Procise, Robinson, Fuller, possibly true freshman Brent, who's looked pretty good uh, in some of the practice clips. I'm not sure Corey Holmes is really going to be playing this year, but you never know. He might get some special teams work. Do you like where this uh, receiving core is at right now? I've been pretty impressed with Carlisle and Fuller, um, and I always like the way Procise moves, but Fuller and Carlisle especially, I really... I think we need some of those smaller, you know, more dynamic players in space to step up and, uh, you know, maybe work on the screen game, slants like that. I think that's a big part to helping out Golson this year. So I'm excited to see Fuller and Carlisle. Uh, what do you think about some of the other receivers? Yeah, I'm I'm still happy about him. It was very unfortunate the injury to Tory Hunter there, and that's a pretty because I was when I saw that he's out for a groin injury, I'm like, holy smokes, he must have tore something because it's you know you're usually not with crutches with a groin injury. Um, you know, I wonder if that maybe goes back to breaking that leg, and sometimes things don't heal quite right, and other parts of your body are are compensating. But regardless, very unfortunate for him. Um, but I still feel pretty good about the receiving core. I think we have some good depth there. Um, Fuller has definitely surprised me. Uh, I wasn't quite as excited about him as others were, and uh, and from everything that I've seen in the in the practice clips and and the reports I've heard from practice, he's been very very impressive. So yeah, I think he'll be good. You know, Carlisle's been quiet and under the radar, but uh, but I think he's doing a nice job, and I think he might have found his groove, and and that would be really good for us. And the rest of the group, I like uh, Procise and those guys. In terms of um, Justin Brent and Corey Holmes. Yeah, I, I mean, they really have an opportunity in front of them here now. Um, from what we hear in practice reports, Justin Brent didn't have a great practice yesterday, dropped some pretty obvious balls and actually got yanked off of uh, yanked off the practice field for a little while. So, But I'm still pretty happy with the receiving core, and, and I like the competition that we have at the top end of the depth chart right now, so that, that excites me quite a bit. Uh, going back to Carlisle for a second, do you think he is more comfortable in the slot than at running back? Yeah, he seems to be. I thought he was okay as a running back. Um, he just he didn't have that patience and um, and that led that's that's why people would say well he doesn't have any vision. Uh, it was it was less about vision and more just he wasn't patient. Like he was just like trying to run himself into a wall every time. Like I'm just yeah. gonna go full speed and and sprint and yeah he seems to have gotten out of that. Um, he's a guy that I think 
you know, almost a theoretic type thing where uh, he can hopefully get some confidence in the slot and then, you know, somewhere to happen down the road, he might be ready to move back at running back. But yeah, I think he, from what I've heard, from what I've seen, he definitely looks a little more comfortable there. And my hope is that when they start to go with a faster tempo, that sort of thing, that they use his ability to play running back um, mm -hmm. to their advantage in terms of not having to switch out personnel and that sort of thing. Hopefully they'll do that, and, and I think that'd be pretty exciting. Yeah, he's always seems, you know, pretty small to me. He's listed at 5'10", 190, but you kind of look at him in, in relation to guys like Folston and Bryant, and he just seems like, you know, it's not it's not 10 to 15 pounds difference. It's, it looks like 30 pound difference. So, I don't know, maybe his body will grow a little bit more. He'll put on a little bit more weight. and um, You know, I didn't really think he was in line for a fifth year, but, you know, he's kind of a co-starter, I guess, at that slot position right now, and definitely would probably be asked back for a fifth year with a, with a, a solid senior season here. Yeah, and, you know, generally speaking, most guys, I mean, this year's, next year's going to be an exception just because there's going to be such a number of fifth-year guys uh, who are eligible. But most years, if you look back on Brian Kelly's tenure, most most years he asked back a lot of fifth years because he knows what they can bring to the bring to the program and certainly Tyler Stockton would be a perfect example of that. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised um, to see Carlisle get uh, get asked back. And you know, I, I'm not sure about him. I remember he had that first run against Temple, and I mean it opened up and he hit it. And I remember being disappointed that he didn't break that thing that uh, he yeah. got chased down. And and I thought maybe his top end speed was a little bit lacking and. And so the slot might just be a better for position for him in terms of he may be, again, to use that analogy, more of a theoretic guy who isn't necessarily fast, super fast, straight out, but is uh, is very shifty and very quick. So I'll be interested to see how he gets used. So on the offensive line, we were kind of wondering how the, the lineup was going to shake out to begin camp. And as we started practice last week on Monday, uh, we had Stanley at left tackle. Matt Haggerty goes in at left guard, which is a little bit of a surprise. Nick Martin at center. Uh, he looks to be fully healthy. Christian Lombard healthy at right guard. And then Steve Elmer switches over to right tackle. That was pretty much the lineup last week until recently when Matt Haggerty mispracticed with a concussion. And that slipped in uh, Connor Hanready to that left guard position. Um, I also point out that Sam Mustafer, true freshman, currently working on the third team. Yes, we have three full teams of an offensive line. Uh, he has a foot sprain, so he was missed practice recently. But, uh, you know, we kind of were wondering if McGlinchey was going to hold on that right tackle spot. Doesn't really look like that's going to happen. Um, Brian Kelly also mentioned they're going to, the kind of the priority number one for this next week here is to, you know, get down these, nail down these starters on the offensive line. Um, Stanley, Haggerty, Martin, Lombard, Elmer were the healthy first team for that first week, do you think that's how uh, it's going to shake out? Yeah, I think it will, and based on what I've seen in the practice reports, I'm, uh, you know, the, the clips and that, I'm not sure McGlinchey's quite ready to go. Um, you know, you watch him in the one-on-one -on -one pass rush drills and that sort of thing, and you see a few little things with his technique where, um, you know, he has a tendency, I mean, he's such a tall guy, he still has a tendency, doesn't bend quite as well as, as you'd like to see, and so he has a tendency to kind of get knocked off balance and, and that sort of thing. So I think there's some refinement and technique that needs to happen there. Um, but yeah, you know, I Brian Kelly had mentioned how on the, I think it was after the Friday practice, I think it was the last one at Culver where 
he had said that you know they're struggling a little bit with consistency on the offensive line because they're replacing some guys with experience, and then they're they're also moving a lot of people around. So yeah, I think in the next couple of days they got to get that solidified, and and I think what we're going to see is uh, Elmer and Stanley at the at the two tackles, and and they'll be mainstays, which I think in the future opens up. Um, you know, some interesting debates. Is Elmer ultimately going to end up being a tackler? Is he going to move back to guard at some point to make way for McGlinchey? But obviously the first priority is is this year, and I'm guessing we'll see Elmer at tackle, although Brian Kelly did make some comments that he's still kind of playing like a guard um, at the tackle position, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's going to be kind of tough for Elmer, I think. You know, he's a great player, great prospect. Uh, you know, looking towards 2015... If that's the starting lineup that we just talked about, you know they're only going to lose Lombard, so he's the right guard. Do they then move Elmer in to guard again and have him change positions for the third time and then have McGlinchey and maybe someone like Nelson duke it out for that right tackle spot? Uh, you know, hoping you know maybe Elmer can find a a, a position and stay there. But uh, I, the coaches just seem to love his versatility, even though you kind of said the he drew a little bit of criticism recently, but. Uh, you know, I think that's pretty interesting. As well as uh, a couple of the freshmen, I thought was really interesting. Uh, Jimmy Byrne, who everyone thought is definitely a guard, has been playing tackle, and we've seen Alex Bars, who everyone thought was a tackle, been playing guard recently. Not that they're really dialed in uh, or fighting for starting spots, but I think it's interesting how this coaching staff kind of moves guys around and not necessarily tries to find different combinations, but they're not afraid to put a guy who everyone thinks is a tackle at guard and vice versa. Uh, I love that, and I love that Heastan does that, and and uh, to me that's that's the essence of coaching. And, uh, you know, profile is important, and I know you want long arms, et cetera, et cetera, and all those sorts of things. That's only one part of the package. And, uh, um, you know, sometimes guys have a certain skill set and a certain mentality, and maybe they don't have super long arms like a Zach Martin, but they have great feet, and uh, that makes him a great tackle. And, and so I really like what he's done, and, and I like the fact that pro profile and size is only one piece of the puzzle. And, you know, when Heastan gets him out on the field, he's coached long enough that he's able to look at a guy and say, you can be a guard, you can be a tackle, and I really don't care what the length of your arms is. Uh, that, to me, is uh, that's coaching. So I'm looking at the roster that we have that we keep. It's a, a living roster. We like to update it with the entries and all that. Uh, I'm name missing from it right now is Tony Springman. Uh, before camp started, we found out he had a back injury and was also coming off knee injury, and he basically gets a medical scholarship. His career is over. A pretty big blow to the defense uh, on the site, Jamie wrote about how you know Notre Dame fans should be a lot more worried about it um, than he thinks a lot of people are. You know, just looking at the seniors in the fifth years on the defensive line right now, you have Justin Utupo, Chase Hounshell, Ishaq Williams, and Anthony Rabasa. Not a whole lot of senior leadership up front. Um, you do have Romeo Kawara, Jaron Jones, and Sheldon Day as likely starters in that junior class, but. After that, you know, this is, I, I would imagine this is the biggest issue right now for this team. Um, Matuska and Rochelle rising up as sophomores. Matuska didn't play last year. Uh, you know, what, what's going on? What do you think is going on with the defensive line? Um, I'll talk a little bit about the freshmen here in a second, but I just wanted to uh, get your thoughts on some of these older guys that have been in, on campus for more than a year. Well, 
you know, in in the coaching world, uh, we used to call this uh, smoke and mirrors, and that's pretty much what the defensive line, uh, certainly from the tackle position, I think is going to be this year. And and certainly, I think in his opening press conference, Brian Kelly had a little smoke and mirrors going, talking about uh, the freshmen and that sort of thing. Defensive tackle is a real concern. Um, you know, and when, and when you're relying on freshmen at that position who tend to be large, big guys who need some time to, to shed some weight and, and that sort of thing, it's it's scary. Losing Springman really hurt. If you notice in uh, in the practice videos, the one-on-one -on -one pass rushes, you'll see Ishak going up against guards a lot, and I suspect that's, um, that's probably by design. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays some defensive tackle for us at time, but times. Uh, in terms of the seniors, um, they don't inspire a, a huge amount of confidence. The one guy I do want to go on record is saying, um, Ishak Williams, every time I've watched a practice clip, especially in the one-on-one -on -one pass rush, he has been fabulous. Like, he he looks very, very good. He looks big, he looks quick, and uh, he's, you know, he's using his hands, and I mean, he's been almost unblockable. Now, it's a very small sample size, I realize, but I've been very impressed, so he might be primed for um, primed for a breakout, and I hope that we can get some minutes out of a guy like Utopo. We, we really need to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's grim in the defensive tackle, and uh, Brian Kelly won't say it, but uh, it's not a great situation right now. So talking about the freshmen, uh, brought in this huge class, tons of bodies. Yesterday, Coach Kelly mentioned the following players as those who will be playing this year, flat out. This is what he said. Johnny Williams, uh, Bonner, Cage, Hill. He didn't mention Trombetti, but I would imagine, you know, there's, Trombetti's been getting some looks on third downs of the first team, so he would be another player um, that probably just Kelly didn't really view him as a freshman or whatever, but that leaves... Uh, Jay Hayes, Blankenship, and Makwa is the defensive line, at least, players not in line to play this year. What are your thoughts on some of these young guys stepping up? Yeah, uh, he did He did actually mention uh, Trombetti specifically after the fact because that was one of those things that was kind of brought up is, hey, why wasn't he mentioned? And it was more just a case because he was an early enrollee. He doesn't uh, consider him a freshman. Um, Trombetti's a stud. Like, well, he's an absolute stud. That kid is uh, is going to play, and I think he's going to be more than a, a situational player. Um, so maybe I'll turn it back to you because I just want to I just maybe comment on that because I just want to look up a couple our younger guys here. Really. So quick. maybe you know maybe you kind of mentioned Ishak moving inside a little bit. You think you know maybe because really the biggest problem I see is we have Jaron Jones at nose guard and Day at tackle, and we don't really have legitimate backups for either of those players. Now, I don't think you're really going to want to take Day off the field a whole lot. Obviously, you're going to need some breathers for him uh, at some point, but, you know, Jaron Jones is someone you're probably going to want to get a little bit more rest, and hopefully you can get someone in there to eat up some blocks and eat up some double teams. And maybe that's where uh, Williams can come in and do that job with Day next to him on some snaps on first and second down. And maybe they're really going to rely on guys like Trembetti and... Uh, and Johnny Williams and and Colin Hill to really bring the pressure on third down on the edge as defensive end. So um, I can see that scenario playing out. You know, maybe they're going to get some other linebackers in, into the equation with their hands on the ground. Maybe Council ends up as a as a kind of third down defensive end type of a of a player. But uh, 
I kind of like what you were saying there with moving Williams inside. He, he's a big kid. Uh, I've always been kind of worried about him, you know, having having the speed to be able to get to the quarterback. I've always liked his burst off the line. Um, you know, it's always been second and third effort with him. Is he, you know, he can beat his man at the line. Can he chase down the quarterback? Can he, you know, change directions and, and chase down a running back on a, a little flare-out screen pass? That's the kind of things I'm worried about with him that I'm concerned about with Ishak. Um, I've never really doubted his initial burst off the line and his, his skill set there. So, uh, you know, he, I think he can be pretty dangerous from both of those positions, but uh, he's definitely someone who looks like they really need to step up and play a whole lot this year. Yeah, you know, I think with Ishak, they just need to lock that guy in a room and, and feed him some raw meat for a while and, uh, you know, and maybe do like a Rocky type thing where he where he punches, you know, frozen sides of beef or something. Like, we just need to light a fire under that guy and, and I think, you know, I think he would be absolutely devastating. And the name that I was looking for, Eric, that I couldn't find, and thanks for letting me kind of go through that, was Johnny Williams. Um, boy, does he have... He has a build, again, that I haven't seen. He's got that kind of thicker build. Um, he's a big guy, and uh, he ri reminds me build-wise he's bigger, but I think it was Trey DePriest from uh, Alabama. One of these big, thick guys, but uh, but can move. He'd be he'd be a good... Uh, he'd, he could play a, the role of a grizzly bear if we needed him to, and he's another guy that I really like... Um, to come in, in in certain situations and uh, and put some pressure on uh, on the quarterback and and maybe spell some of these guys off or like you said bring them in at a defensive end and and move an Ishak Williams and so I think we're you know I think we're going to be okay at the end at the defensive end spot I like some of the young guys that we have there and I think we can use them situationally and be able to get them in there pretty quick um, and I my hope is that that'll give us an opportunity to use guys like Ishak a little bit at, at that defensive tackle and help bolster the depth that way. Yeah, I was way off with Johnny. Uh, a couple times on the site I mentioned that I didn't think he was 220 soaking wet. Uh, he was listed at 6'6 by a couple of the services. I didn't think he was that tall. He comes in officially measured at 6'4, 252, and he looks every bit of that 252. I was amazed at how big he looked. Uh, it doesn't even look like the same person at all. And, uh, yeah, he's and, huge. And when, when you look at it, I mean, he's basically the same size as Trombetti. I know, you know, Trombetti's a a, listed as a half inch shorter, but Trombetti's a big kid. That's a big true freshman. And, uh, you know, I've liked what I've seen out of both of those guys. If you can get, you know, pretty decent freshman seasons out of those guys, then I think, uh, you know, we're kind of turning some frowns upside down uh, with the uh, the future of the defensive line. Yeah, no, that, that'll be huge, and uh, I'm really curious about Okwara, because I haven't seen much from him yet, and I I don't know, I, I'm worried. I, I hope that he can step up and do a job for us. I just, you know, when I watch him as a pass rusher in particularly, particular, um, he's always engaging the offensive lineman, and and. I've never seen him just kind of use his speed and and blow by somebody, and and that really concerns me because, you know, he's not a he's not a power rusher, and uh, he needs to be a guy who who uses some speed coming off the edge, and I just haven't seen that out of him. So I I sure hope we can get that from him. I think he'll be solid, reasonably solid on rundowns, although he's relatively speaking pretty light. So he's a guy that I'm I'm concerned about, and I hope that uh, that he can do a good job for us. Yeah, some of the reports are saying, you know, he's been challenged by some of the younger guys for uh, 
defensive down snaps, so or defensive end snaps, excuse me. Let's talk about the linebackers. Uh, the, the the starters really in the base defense right now are John Turner at that Sam position, Joe Schmidt at Mike, and Jalen at Will. That's kind of how we left off in the spring. You know, a lot of people were wondering what the, was going to go on with that Sam position, but so far John Turner, uh, you know, coming out of nowhere basically, he was a safety. Uh, last year, kind of just buried on the depth chart, one of the more lighted, lightly recruited kids. Um, I know I wasn't very high on him coming out of high school. I was kind of wondering what, where his career was going to go and how he was going to progress. You know, so that's kind of a, a big storyline. He's he's staying at that same position. He does come off the field um, on nickel and dime situations. Um, but I think maybe the biggest story so far, you know, I, I guess we kind of have to admit to ourselves that Joe Schmidt's probably going to be the starting Mike linebacker, and uh, that's not really going to change. Uh, but maybe the bigger story is that Michael Deeb has kind of stepped up as the backup at that position. He's been getting some positive reviews. And, you know, Lars, you talked about Niles Morgan and how he needed to work on some things, and it was going to be tough for him to, uh, you know, make that transition to a starter, let alone playing solid minutes and solid snaps as a freshman. But it uh, looks like he's at least through the first week, and admittedly we have a couple more weeks to go, it looks like Morgan's 13 right now, kind of a decent way behind Michael Deeb and definitely uh, Joe Schmidt as well. So, you know, what's your take on that position especially? Yeah, well, you know, Eric, you wrote a, a great article a while back on the candidates for the middle linebacker, and, you know, I've started and stopped on a, on a piece that kind of dovetailed on that because the question for me was, what are they looking for out of the, out of the middle linebacker? And, uh, and I, you know, that's something I'm really curious about. I'm watching some film and some stuff that Joe Schmidt did in the, in the blue and gold game. I think I really got a, a better sense of it. You know, you, you sort of have the Sam who's a guy who's going to be a little bit of a hybrid player who's going to be asked to probably go out into the slot sometimes and cover in zone and maybe even do some man coverage things underneath. He's going to be asked to blitz, et cetera, et cetera. The will is sort of the tackling machine, and, and things are going to be funneled back to the will, and, and he's going to make a lot of plays and kind of just be allowed to, to roam free. And so I was like, well, what do they, what do they want out of the Mac? And, and what I realized is Van Gorder likes to do a lot of overload stuff. So let's say he's do, running an overload blitz to the right, and quite often he'll line the middle linebacker up to that right side to kind of give that perception of blitz, and if the if the play comes to the right where the overload blitz is coming, then fine. But what Van Gorder really depends on the middle linebacker to do is if the offense, if the, if the blitz is coming overload, they're bringing extra guys from the right, and the play goes to the left, he asks that middle linebacker to get over the left side and make the play. And and that requires a really smart player, a player who understands what's going on in the defense. He understands where the blitz is coming from, and he understands based on where the offense is aligning, where the weakness is. Because that's what Van Gorder does with his middle linebacker. He depends on the middle linebacker to get him out of a bad call. And if the offense goes away from the overload, middle linebacker has to understand that and then has to be able to get there. And that quite often ends up, the middle linebacker ends up in a situation where uh, he has to come all the way across the formation. He'll quite often have a lineman that's, that's got a good angle on him, that's coming free to block him and cut him off. So he needs to be a player that, um, that's really smart, understands the defense, and is, is really dependable. And Joe Schmidt is that guy. I know everyone talks about his physical limitations. He understands the defense, and I'll tell you right now, he's a better football player than, than people think. Um, 
there's a number of times in the blue and gold game where, you know, there's an overload blitz, the offense ran the play to the other side, and Schmidt had to, you know, he had a guard or a center, un, you know, coming free at him who had the angle on him, should have been able to wall him off. He always made the play. He always got to where he needed to be. And uh, you looked at the other guys like Kendall Moore, for example, and they rarely got over and made the play. So I can understand why a guy like Niles Morgan is really struggling with that. Um, not that he's not talented, uh, it's just that, you know, for him to understand all the little nuances and for Van Gorder to be able to trust him, it's going to take some time. And I think that's also why you're seeing a guy like Michael Deeb come in and uh, who has a little more experience and things come a little bit easier to him and certainly had spring to kind of get uh, acclimated. So, I, you know, I think that's why you're seeing it. I'm not totally surprised by that, especially when you consider what Van Gorder wants out of his uh, middle linebackers. You know, if we wanted to get Niles Morgan out on the field right away, you know, you'd probably look to put him more as a, a will and kind of let him flow and let him just be a player. But uh, obviously we got somebody who's pretty good there, number nine. <laughs> so how much of a storyline do you think size is going to be at this linebacker position? It was, you know, pretty much the talk of the town when we kind of more or less switched to a 4-3 defense. Um, you know, everyone wants everyone wants to bring up Joe Schmidt's size, but it's kind of funny, I guess, that Niles Morgan is listed as half an inch taller but five pounds lighter than Joe Schmidt. And then, you know, you still look at this at the starters right now, Turner, Schmidt, and Jalen. It's 225, 235, and 235 across that linebacker core. And, you know, look at, you know, I, I just pulled up LSU's defense. They have two Sam linebackers, 216 and 208 uh, right now on their depth chart. Um uh, they're Mike linebackers, 235, 246, and then their two Will linebackers are 218 and 208. I mean, are you concerned about size? I know it's been one of my pet peeves and something I've been frustrated about is, you know, fans kind of tend to dismiss a kid if he's not 250 pounds, especially in the Diaco system. But, you know, new defensive coordinator, a little bit more emphasis on speed. Um, at, are you concerned at all about Schmidt's size or maybe – you know, Turner being a little bit more of a lighter Sam or anything like that? No, I'm not super concerned about it. Um, I'm like you. I like faster linebackers, and I don't worry too much about the weight. And, and uh, certainly if you're a fast linebacker and you have some technique, um, the weight thing is, is not an issue, generally speaking. And especially if you have a decent defensive line in front of you, which <laughs> that may be a bit of a question mark. Um, you know, I do think it is a little bit of a disadvantage for the type of schedule that um, Notre Dame plays because we, you know, we're not, although it's changing with the ACC, but, you know, we haven't in the past been in a conference, you know, and conferences tend to have a certain style of play. Um, yep. You know, you look at the pack. Pac-12, the Big 12, for example, um, you can sort of tailor a defense for for the type of offenses that you're going to be seeing. But Notre Dame, you know, you're playing Stanford and Michigan State, and then you're playing Arizona State, and then you're playing Navy. Well, those are all very different styles of offense, and so Notre Dame has to be able to have athletes that can, you know, play that spread offense, play in space, but also, uh, you know, go up against. Uh, overload offensive lines a la Stanford and, and those types of things. So it's a little bit of a disadvantage, and that's where you may see some changes in personnel uh, week to week based on the opponent. But uh, for the most part, no, I'm not. That's the least of my concerns, light linebackers. If we got guys who can fly around the field, we'll be just fine. So there's not really a whole lot to talk about with the corner so far. It looks like Russell and Luke are kind of the one-two combination. Cody Riggs, the fifth-year transfer from Florida, 
he's the starter at nickel. I think he's kind of pushing Luke for the starter opposite Russell. Other than that, not a whole lot to talk about. It does look like, um, excuse me, uh, Matthias Farley has basically moved back to safety um, full-time. I do believe Coach Kelly said he's still kind of cross-training at safety and corner, although I think that cross-training is basically as the, as the backup to Riggs as the uh, nickel corner. You know, I, I think... I know you mentioned to, to, to everyone on our staff about how you were impressed with Josh Atkinson. I would kind of, you know, back up that point of view. I've really liked what I've seen out of him from the practice clips. It would be really great if we got a, a nice season out of him. But uh, the, talk seems, the talk so far seems to be that, you know, this is a really good deep secondary, um, especially at corner. We'll talk about the safeties in a second. But, uh, you know, we haven't even really mentioned a guy like Butler or Watkins. Watkins is a true freshman um, seen a couple of clips of him getting beat, but the the coaching staff loves his size and length and talent. So uh, nothing but love right now at corner, it seems. Well, and that's good news for the defense because you have to be good out there to play in the Van Gorder system. And I know it's a little bit of a cliche and everyone's throwing that out, but it's, it's very true. And, you know, my own experience as a defensive coordinator when I first started coaching at the program that I was at, we weren't very good and weren't very talented. We played more of a system like Diaco played, um, you know, a lot of zone, keep everything in front of you, uh, that sort of thing. As we got better athletes, we could play more aggressive and we could play man coverage. And uh, and that's another thing that's kind of getting lost a little bit in this whole debate is, uh, um, you know, when you play a 4-3, those linebackers, and if you're going to play man coverage, those linebackers need to do a really good job uh, sealing off the outside run. they got to be perimeter players because quite often your corners and your safeties are going to be locked up in man coverage and they're going to be turned away from the play looking at their man so they may not see uh, run. So those those guys in the front seven need to be pretty good on the perimeter, but uh, but certainly you need to be good on the outside. I would not be surprised to see Cody Riggs as the starter. I've just seen some things out of him that, that really impressed me, and, and the whole Josh Atkinson thing, that just brought a big smile to my face. I was really happy for for him, and, and you know whether or not it's going to result in, in any playing time, I don't know, but uh, even before we started hearing a buzz from Saturday practice, there was a couple clips um, from when they were at Culver Academy where he just lit people up and was making plays, and and uh, maybe the light bulb's gone on for him. So uh, I haven't seen much Cole Luke. I'd, I'd like to take a little bit of a closer look at him, but uh, if we can be deep in the corners, that'll be absolutely huge for this defense. It's... Uh, might be one of the most important storylines because that'll automatically make that front seven better. Now it seems to be my recollection that even uh, in the past under Diaco, when we get some of these fall camp clips, that there's a lot of tugging, a lot of pulling, um, a lot of defensive pass interference, and a lot of man coverage and stuff like that. But it does seem to be, you know, a little bit overboard so far this year. Are you are you a little bit concerned about what you've been seeing with the physicality, or do you kind of on on the other side of that? argument do you like what you're seeing out of the physicality from the corners and do you think that's going to help the receivers and do you think that's challenging the receivers and, and stuff like that no I, I saw the same thing as you Eric I was surprised by the amount of tugging and pulling that was going on and uh you know I don't think that's the way you build your foundation at all so I'm not sure what's going on there if we just happen to see some clips if they're being coached to be a little more aggressive I mean I guess in fairness we saw that with Michigan State last year they kind of played on that edge and those corners had just a big giant freaking chip on their shoulders and they got in your face and they were tugging at you and pulling at you and against Notre Dame 
uh, it hurt them, but obviously we look at the season they had last year and it didn't hurt them that much. So, you know, maybe that's maybe that's the way they're coaching them. But I, I had the same impression as you. I was going, holy smokes, there's some pretty bad stuff going on here. So our last position is safety. Um, it pretty much looks like Max Redfield has won that starting job. I, I guess winning it isn't really the right term. It looks like he's got a, a rather large lead at, for that position. Um, Coach Kelly mentioned that Austin Collinsworth is basically the quarterback back there for the defense um, from the safety position. He mentioned if Collinsworth were to go down, it would be Farley back there calling the plays and not someone like Redfield, you know, Maybe someone like Shumi, I know we've talked about him in the past. We've liked to see him step up. Really haven't heard a whole lot from him. Um, the same goes for Barati and Hardy. Um, Tranquil's a freshman. We really haven't heard a whole lot of out of these safeties except for Red, Redfield and Collinsworth, and it uh, looks like they're the one-two combo moving forward. Yeah, it really does. And, uh, you know, I, I like Shoemate, and I think he's a guy that has a lot of potential. Um, so I'm a little surprised he hasn't gotten more of a sniff, but I'm not surprised that Collinsworth has hold that, hold, held down that position. Um, I know he takes a lot of abuse, but I think he does some good things back there. It was it was kind of funny because I heard Brian Kelly's comment, and I understand what he was saying is that they were just trying to let Max Redfield play fast, and when Redfield was told that, he didn't particularly like it. He, uh, <laughs> he said, you know, that him and Collinsworth were back there, you know, they help each other out and they both make the calls and that sort of thing. And, and I'm okay with that response from Redfield. I like that. I think that's what makes him a guy who could potentially be very good. Uh, in terms of Matthias Farley, I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I want to see him do well. I have yet to see, I've seen the odd practice clip where, where he's looked okay, but boy, he's gotten just tortured in some one-on-one -on -one passing drills. Now, there's a bit of a caveat that goes along with those passing drills because, you know, it's not very realistic, right? It's one-on-one, -on -one, which usually doesn't happen. The quarterback, you know, can have a cup of tea back there and he's not getting pass yeah. rushed or anything like that. So you got to take that with a bit of a grain of salt, especially on some of those double moves, right? They all look really good out there, <laughs> but they're not all that realistic. But, uh, um, yeah, he just hasn't looked good to me, which is too bad. All right, so we've kind of gone through the whole roster. Is there anything we haven't touched upon that you wanted to talk about? Uh, any general feelings about the first week of practice? Um, yeah, it was. It seemed like a good week. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very curious to see. I mean, there's a lot of things that I want to see, but certainly um, the offense and how the running backs are, are going to do, and uh, if we're going to run at some tempo, those are things that I'm I'm really excited to find out. And then uh, I think on the defensive side of the ball, I'm still really curious. I want to see what the scheme's going to look like, and and um, and you know how those corners hold up if they're as good as we think that they are right now. All right, I think that's going to wrap up our podcast. We probably won't have one next week. I'll be going on a little bit of a vacation, but hopefully we'll have one on Monday, the, the 25th of August. That's game week, everybody, so um, hopefully we can get one up uh, before that Rice game. We'll get a little bit of a preview and talk about you know the rest of the fall camp and how everything went there. Um, anything else you want to say, Lars? No. Have a great week, everyone, and it's almost football season. Hallelujah. All right, take care. I'm Eric. That's Lars. This is our 34th episode of the One Foot Town Podcast, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.